Welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. Today we have two fantastic guests. That's right, we have a dynamic duo today. Barbara Abood, who's a recurring guest, and also Matt Wilson. They are both running for the Board of Election in the town of Farmingdale, and that's coming up on May 16th, so make sure if you live in that area or just any local politics at all, make sure you go out and vote because your vote counts. They talk about various topics, whether it's you know taxes, where the money is going, CRT in classrooms, you know, transgender and whether or not, you know, boys could should be playing in sports with women or vice versa. You may have your own topic. You may have your own opinion on it. And, you know, when you hear them, you may agree or disagree. But that's what the show is all about. Having them come on here, point their views out and, you know, explaining why they are doing what they are doing. Also, if you can, or if you would, because it helps out the show, go over to MyPillow.com, punch in promo code TJCS, and you get up to 66% off all of your items that are in your shopping cart, whether it is the sheets, the Giza sheets. They have this new item, the MyPillow 2.0, and it is absolutely fantastic. We have it at home. I love their products. And again, you get up to 66% off. You can't get go wrong with that. Also, if you could or if you would, or however you want to do it. Go to YouTube, subscribe to our station. It helps out the show. Like, comment. Also on Rumble, on all audio, too. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, you name it. It helps out the show. And with that being said, let's start the show. All right, welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. We have lots to talk about. I got something going. I got something cooking here. This is the big leagues. It's New York. I said I was in the worst neighborhood, man. I said I had a near-death experience. Crazy? Robert, if you've been through what I've been through in the past month, you'd be, you'd be crazy too. All right. Two guests here today. Welcome, guys. How are you? Barbara, back on the show. Thank it's you so much. great to be back. Thanks for having us, Joe. And I can't believe... The circumstances that you're coming back for, and Matt Neither Wilson. Can I. Yeah, right. Matt, how you doing? Very good, sir. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell me, what so what brings you back here? You know, last time we were talking about you had some. You know, we were talking about children in school and and everything. And all of a sudden, I get a text message, and I was like, Oh, I guess, I guess she did doing, it. She did it. Yeah. So explain. <laughs> so give us a, a little brief rundown of what you've been doing the last time you've been back on the show. Absolutely. So last time I was here, um, I'm still running the Nassau County chapter of Moms for Liberty proudly. When we spoke, I was helping other candidates run for school board, and I got to see very close, you know, intimately, just some of the the corruption that goes on and just how it's actually ran. And, and we're talking about Farmingdale School District. So now we're talking about Farmingdale School District, and I decided, you know what, I, it's time for me to take a seat at the table. It's time for me to actually represent. I've been telling everyone for two and a half years, the most important thing we can do is run for our local school boards. So I put my money where my mouth is. Well, what what are you seeing that made you say, "Hey, listen, I'm I'm on the sidelines," and then something that said, "You know what? I I have to get in this. I have to be in it. I don't like the way things are running. Obviously, that's why people join into the political arena, sure. so they can make a difference." What were you seeing that you said, "Enough is enough"? I mean, 
you wouldn't even recognize how scandalous these elections can be. I mean, we got sex, we got money, we got corruption, we got lies. I mean, it's got it all. It could be a movie. Like, you know? Even in just, f- in, in just in local, Farmingdale and Farmingdale. local school boards. Yeah. And Matt, what about you? So you decided that you wanted to come into it. How did you, first of all, for people that don't know who you sure. are, yeah. give us a little background about yourself. Where are you from? And how did you get to this point that you said, I'm going to also join forces here and try to get on the school board. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Barb inspired me. For I think sure. his mic is a little low. That he, if you could just put him up. A How's little bit. that? Yeah, but Barb inspired me to get involved. But um, my wife and I planted our roots in Farmingdale about 11 years ago. And we looked at this community and we thought, this is like Main Street Americana. The people are great. Like, I want to raise my family here. Where are you originally from? I'm from Virginia. Okay. And when I was 15 years old, a Long Island, young Long, a Long Island lady sat next to a bus on me. I had never heard a Long Island accent before, and I just totally fell, totally fell. I'm married to her today, and uh, she's a Long Islander, so you know what you got to do. You fall in love, you, you follow your lady. <laughs> yeah, and, of course. Uh, so she, she brought me up here. I have a professional business background uh, as a consultant, Fortune 500 companies, government agencies too, so I love applying everything I used to do in the federal arena now to little tiny local school uh, budgets and operations. When you say Fortune 500, give us some of the companies that you worked for. Well, I was at PricewaterhouseCoopers, and then I had clients that were in industries like cosmetics, confectionery, uh, professional services, manufacturing. So big players like that all over the place. And what my role was, it was called operation strategy. So you'd look for a way to get more bang for your buck, basically. Where is there something that's not efficient enough? What should the strategy be? Are all of our investments and the whole organization pointed in the same direction so we can be successful? Um, and then I went, then I left consulting, went into industry, and was a vice president at an internet and cable company uh, for about eight years. And uh, yeah, continued my journey from there. So I've always loved business. I got the bug when I was mowing lawns in Virginia as a kid. I used to mow lawns too. I I mean, there's nothing like building character like mowing lawns. And I sold that business when I went into college. But it's also like nothing like going crazy thinking while you're behind that lawnmower and all you have is just you and your, your... Your mind. Exactly. And it's just, you know, and I, man, I went through girlfriends, breakups <laughs> in my yes. mind. Your mind what wanders. I, what am I going to do tonight? What am I doing with my life? All this other stuff. Yeah, yep. I did the same thing too. I, and then I sold my business. But, you know, you said you were from Virginia. Yep. What about your childhood? How was your childhood? You have brothers, sisters, you have yep. um, your I parents still alive? They're still alive. They're, they support us very much. They're wonderful. They're still down there. Uh, I had a younger, I have a younger sister, a little younger than me wonderful you know proud of who she's become and yeah family's everything and you know the least i can do is try to give my kids a childhood just as great as mine was and that's why you wanted to decide to get into doing this you want to make sure that and more that and more is my three kids are going to be okay no matter what you know i'm gonna if they're missing something at school i'm gonna supplement it what this for me is about is all the families and friends i've come to know who have you know welcomed me into farmingdale since i moved here my kids will be fine their kids, I want to serve them because I feel like when I went into the army, I was all about serving country. And like when you join the military, it's all about service over self. It's all about the team for a mission. And that was serving the country. You know, there's so much going on in education we're going to talk about today. One of the best ways to serve our country now is being a leader in these local school boards. So really what pulled me is all the friends I've come to love in Farmingdale, I want to make sure that their kids have a shot. But was there something, well, first I want to talk about 
you being in the Army, when did you uh, join the military? Right out of high school, I enlisted, and then so I was both what's called a ROTC cadet and a private. I've never even time. heard of that ROTC cadet. <clears throat> R- ROTC is R O T C. It's, oh, a, it's, okay, a, it's okay. a path while you're in college to be to commission as an officer. So I was enlisted, drilling with a National Guard unit, but I was also in college, training to become a, an officer, a, a lieutenant. Um, that was with a military intelligence unit. I came out, I commissioned with a military police unit because I wanted to help with counterinsurgency. But I came out in the National Guard. So what that means is, you know, in the National Guard, we pride ourselves on being a citizen soldier, like the founders founders of our country who walked away from their farms and their law firms to go defend our country. And then when they were done, they went back to their day job again. And that's what the National Guard is all about, that sort of service. So I balanced this intense consulting career with military service at the same time. So I kind of came up with great military mentors and great business mentors. Was there something, though, that when... You know, you have your family. You're here in on Long Island. Was there something that you said that's that that's it? You know, this is the final straw. This is what broke the camel's back. I have to get involved in this because, obviously, and we were talking about this, Barbara, before off the show was. Once you get in this, and if you do get elected, even right now before you're getting elected, it changes your life dramatically. Of you, course. Like, yeah. you, there's no more, you know, what your life was is now different because you have a lot of responsibilities. Yep. But what was it for you that you said, I got to get into this political arena? The the poor academics at some point. I, I was always bothered by the spending, which is a Long Island problem. It's not just a Farmingdale problem, but the cost of education versus the quality that you get on Long Island blows my mind when you look at the rest of the country. That's not unique to Farmingdale, but Farmingdale's part of that. Farmingdale goes right along with that same sort of thing. That wasn't enough to pull me in. That's like, here we go, right another tax bill. When I saw that my oldest daughter was extremely gifted and there was absolutely no way to accommodate that other than drag her down to the lowest common denominator, and when I saw my two younger kids were barely learning to read and I was supplementing all of it outside of it, I was like, well, what is the point of this institution if it's not even delivering something you know, something quality? Barbara, tell us a little bit about your family right now. You have children. Who you know? How many children do you have? And just a little bit brief background for people that may not have seen sure. the other show that you were on, on the other episode. Tell us a little bit about you quickly. Sure. So I am a cybersecurity professional, been in the industry for 25 years. I am married to a special education teacher, works in the city. I have two daughters, fourth grade and one going into high school. And for those that maybe don't know my history, during the pandemic, I was one of those parents that were very just felt like nobody was hearing us, that our kids were suffering, and that we needed to do something about the isolation, the mass, the lack of learning, all of that. And I came across an organization called Moms for Liberty. At that time, it was fairly unknown. Now it's it's for, uh, in 40 states and 300 chapters, but at that time, it wasn't. And I learned a little bit about parental rights, and I said, okay, this is what I'm talking about. There's other parents like me that feel unheard, and we, uh, me and another local dad started a chapter and started just educating ourselves about policies and things like that, because I had two daughters that I, I saw were not, they weren't, they were shell of themselves pre-pandemic. Um, and I ultimately removed both of them last year from Farmingdale School District and homeschooled them. One is actually back in Farmingdale, 
in the fourth grade, and the other chose for herself to stay in the homeschool program. Oh, so you you were homeschooling them oh, for a while? Oh yeah. I when I say when I stood at those meetings month after month and said you're harming our children, we have to do something, and nobody was listening. I did something for my own children, right. and then still showed up to every single board meeting to advocate for the other children. So right. so talk to so so some parents they may sit there and sit in here homeschooling and like oh my god what does that mean right. now i'm the teacher i'm the math teacher i'm the science teacher i'm the history teacher you know i have to learn you know long form division again <laughs> yeah. whatever it is that you know because i remember when my my daughter when when she was in school they just tried to she's 22 now and she goes to comac school district but they were just trying to do that different math what is that A called common core the common core and it's like right. no this is stupid what, what are we doing here I, I don't even know I can't even do my it my kids now know exactly. how to carry the one so. yeah <laughs> so but for you for parents that may sit there and they entertain the idea in their head but it just seems so difficult to actually pull their kid out of school and do it Tell, talk to us about the experience of homeschooling your children. It is difficult, It's and it's not for everyone. It's I'm not advocating for everyone to remove their kids. I needed to do what I felt was the right thing for my children at the time. Um, but yeah, you're, you're learning curriculums, you're understanding what they're learning, um, having to relearn things yourself. But there's a wonderful community here on Long Island that you can tap into, that you have supplemental you know, support and things like that. But at the end of the day, you're their teacher. And it gave me really good insights into the curriculums there, but I was able to interpret how that curriculum, what the lesson plan looked like. And I think that's lost in public education is yeah. schools will give us a curriculum, but we don't know the sources, we don't know what the materials are, and they don't. Right. we don't necessarily know how the teacher is interpreting that curriculum. And that's where I think parents are feeling on the outside looking in when it comes to our children's education, because we want to know what is it that you're talking about on this subject? How are you presenting it to our children? Well, here's a question. You know, again, I have a child that's 20, not even a child anymore, a young adult that's 22 years old, so I'm a little bit removed. And she wasn't in high school during the pandemic. It was after she was in college. Mm -hmm. So, Matt, I have this question for you. Why not? Now, you know, we see that these there's cameras now, speeding cameras all over Long Island. You have the red light cameras. You know, we were they were teaching virtual during the pandemic. Why not? And maybe and maybe there already is. I don't know if this is you know, something that people would entertain, but why not then just put a 24/7 camera in the classroom so you can see, you know, maybe you're a stay-at-home dad or maybe you're off that day or maybe you have the app or I don't know, maybe you could watch it right on yeah. your phone. You're like, you know what, let me see what these kids are learning right now at 11.30 a.m. Let me see what the teacher's actually doing. Why not put cameras in classrooms? Or is that something that you would be opposed to? That's not a bad idea. I never thought about that, to be honest. I mean, anything that we want to bring is more transparency. To be honest, most of the transparency we've talked about is the transparency of the Board of Education, what they discuss, how they vote, what they really think. A camera in the classroom. I mean, it's not it's not I'm I'm not immediately opposed to it right off the bat. I think there's What are some of the what are the, what are some of the hesitations? I guess the, someone that would be, you know, that would be in charge of making maybe a decision like that on the Board of Education. What would be some of the decision the the hesitations that you may have with something like that? You know, the only thing that gives me pause is you know, what's funny, what's ironic is that I know that there's some staff who have told us that the teachers union is already planning a smear campaign against us, which which is so ironic to me because there's so much that we want to do policy-wise that I hope would help the teacher, 
discipline to back them up in the classroom, curriculum that's not changing every two years. Um, what gives me pause about the cameras is you at the end of the day, I do want to trust them as a professional um, to be able to have that command of the classroom. Uh, so you're, you're saying let the teachers teach. Let them do that. If, if they're going to be it, – first it's, of all, it, I trust the process of them getting hired. Right. Sure. So let them teach. It, let them it's, teach. It's, it's and, almost like – it's almost like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Like, I would rather manage the exceptions than put a blanket across everyone. Like, when we changed all of our lives for the TSA, and now all of a sudden everyone takes their shoes off uh, for the exception instead of the norm. You know, things like that. I would rather have a way for a parent to be able to arbitrate when a teacher does actually teach something that's total indoctrination or, or they're pushing a certain um, politically biased agenda or something like that. I'd rather be able to manage those as they come up and give power back to the parent uh, so that they could switch classes. You know, I'm thinking outside the box about anything like that. And, like, put the power in, back in the hands of the parent. The camera almost seems like... Big brother. To total. Yeah, a little bit of big brother because big brother. we're a little more, like, individual liberty, yeah. like, it's almost less saying type of stuff. Less government, like how... Right. I mean, for me, I, I, again, I don't know exactly what your politics, both of them are, both of you are, but for me, less government is better government, like yeah, Ronald Reagan yeah. used to say. Right. Exactly, yeah. And and that would be kind of a surveillance, a big brother, 1984 type order. Right. It, it seems <laughs> like yeah. it. You know, then, then you're also surveilling the kids, too, at that point. There's privacy issues with that. So, Barbara, back to you. Sure. What was the deciding? I asked Matt, and I, I, now I'm going to ask you this question. What's the deciding factor for you that you said, or was it just a combination of things that you said, I got to get into this? I have to, you know, again, it's going to change your life. You know, it's not, it's not just, you know, um, hey, I'm taking my kid to ballet. Now you're involved, even when you're, you know, some things, issues that are not involved in just your kid. What made you finally say, I'm going in? It was the blatant corruption that happened at last year's school board election was probably my moment where I said I'm going to have to step in at some point. For someone that doesn't know and wasn't involved sure. or people that are watching that maybe are in different school districts and have no idea about corruption <laughs> in, in school yeah. districts, can you explain what corruption you mean? Sure. So last year we had two seats up for election and two candidates challenging those seats. And the incumbents won um, their election. And then weeks after the election, a third trustee on the board stepped down. And our board, instead of going, okay, well, we had two candidates that ran, spent their own money, made commitments, expressed interest in running for the board. They held an interview process and pulled in people instead of leveraging the ones that stood up and actually campaigned to go on the board. Just so I have this right, sure. you're talking about the two that lost. That right. were available now. Available now. So why not choose one, one of those of them, two? A thousand or, plus or hold members, another election. Or again hold another election for that matter. But they, you know, more than a thousand community members came out to vote for them. So that's, I mean, that's a big portion of, you know, school boards don't get a ton of voters. So that's a lot of people that actually said, this is who I want representing me. And our board chose to ignore that. Yeah, but you're using the word corruption, and that's a word that shouldn't just be thrown around. Sure. So you're talking... Let me, ex you want me to explain further what yeah, because I mean by I, that? Because I know we had some conversations off of camera, you know, when we were just briefly talking about things. But corruption, again, that's a, that's, that's a strong word. That's mm -hmm. accusing somebody of, or some group or a body of wrongdoing. What was the wrongdoing? Because that's not corruption. That's just 
preference to sure, me so far. Sure. So where the corruption in my mind comes in, and again, some of this is my own personal opinion or speculation, but we do have some evidence of it, is the board member that was that stepped down, um, they're trying to make us believe that they had no idea prior to the election that he was going to step down. And then we have um, conversations on Facebook between a sitting board member and the person they pulled in having that conversation of, thanks for pulling me into the board. Thanks for helping me get on this seat. So you're saying there's almost some side deals there going on. There was some on. side deals this going on. This person that knew that he was going, or she, is it, is it's, it a boy? It's, it's uh, a, man, a woman. A woman. So she knew that she was probably, and probably the people that were supporting her knew that she was going to step down, but yet oh, she I'm was sorry, a good a man count. stepped down. A man stepped down. A but, woman got put in the place. But that, okay, so the man that stepped down, they kind of, he knew and... The people that were supporting him kind of knew that he was going to step down, but he was the best candidate to get elected. Get him in, and then we can... Let me just clarify. The two that ran for election, they stayed on their seats. This was another trustee that had been there. What? How long had he been there? Hmm, I'm not sure. A at least one cycle. Uh, no, like 17 years. It was a long time. Oh, so he stepped down. So he retired, you know, et cetera. But what they want us to believe is that they had no idea prior to the election, right? So the ele they announced this the very next meeting after we had an election that he was stepping down. So they want us to believe that they had no idea that he was not going to be there, that he sold his house, retired from his job, you know, and moving within a, within a month. And they decided to then install their own person it's instead of... It's cozy. It's very cozy. Yeah. And almost like... So I did a freedom of information request on all the application packets. Look at you. And yeah. to me, oh, like I, a, a FOIA request. Yes. Look at you. I know. I'm a, I'm a pain in the butt. But you know what? <laughs> but that's what I you want. want right. You want that. that you want somebody that's going to Transparency. And not only that, you want somebody that's going to dig. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. what, what bothered me about that process is, yes, the, the board is allowed to appoint someone instead of hold an election. But to me, it was like, how condescending to have people apply like it's applying to a job. Like, this is an elected official with legislative power on our, our local school board. And they're ha handling like, two, almost two hundred million dollars of tax dollar budget. Exactly exactly. This is this is not this is not the garden club. Yeah. This is hundred and ninety four mil. <laughs> this is not the rotary club. <laughs> and th and that really bothered me to feel like, wow, look at this. Holding it as if it's a job interview. And cause I went through and saw everyone's resumes and everything. And I just for a board to keep selecting kind of who to keep with it, I feel like at some point not only in Farmingdale, but a, long, a lot of Long Island districts, the board has become an extension of the district itself. The board's employee is the superintendent. He's like the CEO. If this, if this was a high-functioning company, it would be the board of directors and the CEO. It's the board of education and the superintendent. Somewhere along the way, the way this board is always voting unanimously for everything, going along with everything, congratulating anything. Like, you never hear any critical dialogue at some point, it just seems like the board stopped representing the okay. child and the taxpayer and started being an extension of the district. Okay. So well, let's be fair now for a second for people that don't know who you're talking about, right? Okay. Because, you know, what happens if it was one of your friends that they said that got interviewed and they were a I perfect still candidate? I have agreed with it. Okay. I think it should have been an election. Yeah. But personally. Yeah. But the person that they did, because now this goes under the umbrella of the corruption, the person that they did select had to be, if you're going to say this is corrupt in a way, or it smells it's like it's yeah. cozy. It smells like it. It's, yeah. it's on the. Uh, doesn't, on the, it doesn't pass the sniff test. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> but that being said, who is this person that we're talking about and why? 
are we still talking about this person? Is this person not doing their job? Does it? Is, are they she's, falling in she's line? She's running for the to actually be elected into the seat right now. So she's one of the other candidates. Uh, is that last name Jones? Yes. Okay. What's her first name? Cherie. Cherie Jones. So Cherie Jones, you did some deep sea diving. Right, you yes. did some research. Everyone's resume. Yeah. Basically, somebody dating your daughter. Baby. You know, <laughs> let's go in. Let's see, do everything. What did you find? Of uh, there, were, I think about seven applications, something like that. I saw at least two of them who had background as either deans or principals of schools with a lot of real school education. And then, of course, there was our fellow running mate, Parsa Karimi, who had the third next most number of votes in an election that we had just had. A so. police officer, a business owner in our community. Um, oh, yeah, he's the man. Yeah, he's got, yeah. like, all the boxes checked. <laughs> um, what I didn't... And he was overlooked. He was he, overlooked. Well, he participated in the The, the election. The, the he was interview. the one that had... And he, he did take the interview because he figured... Of course, I yeah, need to I show to. that I'm doing it. But we knew the second they... They were even opening it up. They were never going to. So you're saying it was the fix was already in. Yes. So so tell me about this person, Miss Jones. What what did you find out about her? So you have the qualifications of those candidates that didn't get in. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about and people for and she's running now. She's running now. So tell me what you found out about her in your you know in your investigation. Okay. Well, this is based on resumes and letters, as if as if it were a job interview. I don't want to disparage her character. This isn't about her as a person. But what I saw in this... You're talking about it, qualifications. Yeah, in, right. in, this, in this Freedom of Information request, there was no criteria to select a candidate. You know, any time that I've hired, and I've hired, I don't know, over 60 people in my career at this point, you have criteria that you're looking for. And then you start scoring people against that criteria. You have discussions about it. There wasn't something like that which bothered me about mm-hmm. how, how is everyone selected. Um her background talked a lot about who she's married to, not necessarily who, which is great. Her, I'm a Christian and her, her husband's a pastor, which I appreciate a lot. But I would have liked in her interview process to have more information about herself. Um, she has a side business, kind of like a blog. And again, just from a qualification point of view, then I saw other candidates who had all this professional education experience. Then you got my man Parsa, who's like a rock star, who's an entrepreneur, community service leader. Right. The cop, yep. She'll back union, um, what the union wants. And what does the union want? Oh, there's collective bargaining agreements collective coming bar- up yeah. o- over the next <laughs> couple of years. There's collective bargaining agreements for the administrator union yep. and for the teachers union are coming up. And it's very important about who's going to be on this board and represent the community. So, I mean, t- educator professionals, I mean, that, that's like the noblest calling you can possibly have. At the same time, the board represents the child and the taxpayer. And like if if you don't have that representation there at the table and you just fold, you end up with these one-sided bargaining agreements. So so let's get into some of these points. Let's get some of these these decision makings that are going to come up, that are going to affect these chil- the children. Because this is all about the children, right? Right. Of course. So what is it that you're afraid of, or not afraid? Maybe I shouldn't use that word. But what are you concerned about that may go one way, but you want to see it go a different way? Mm-hmm. Give me some of these some of these issues I could start with yeah. with a couple so on on both education and spending and political bias on spending I just feel like we're just gonna price out people out of Long Island 
and see more friends move to Carolina, move to Tennessee. And, you know, at some point we got to hold the line on the tax levy and just get smarter about the way that we spend. So one of my concerns is that there will be no pushback, no critical uh, scrutiny about the way that we spend on overhead and get spending in the classroom and, like, make sure that our children can actually afford to live here. Because if, if we love Farmingdale and they grow up and they love it too, but they can't afford the school tax on their house, you know, they're going to live in Carolina. Okay, so let's stop right there for a second and let's just – pinpoint that. So you're talking about taxes. Yeah. So you want to lower taxes in the school district of Farmingdale. I at least want to freeze it. So, I mean, someone that I admire is the town supervisor of Oyster Bay, who at some point said, enough is enough. This is a point where we need to freeze the tax levy and just work backward from that and figure it out. Because at some point, if no one can afford to live here, what difference does it make? So he did that and he had to make trade-off decisions and roads still got paved and parks still got maintained and stuff like that. And I think schools have to catch up with the town and the county at this point who they saw the writing on the wall about folks leaving and uh, the school is the biggest part of property tax. So they schools now need to get on board and hold the line and not defund something that's going to hurt a child, but think about overhead, administration, central administration, uh, vendor costs to start to make it affordable to live here again. Okay, so and what about money? You said before that money is being spent unwisely in the school district of Farmingdale. Mm-hmm. I'll go with you first, Bob. Sure. What is it that you think that they're spending this money on that they shouldn't be and then redirecting it to what? Okay, so there's a couple of different things. One is... Um, the, they want to do a solar panel um, replacement of electric, which will cost, what, $16 million? It's, it's $11 million. $11 million. And it takes, like, 17 years for us to actually see the, the tax benefit of that. And then they have to get replaced in 20 years on average. Yeah. So there's no actual... So there's a three-year window. There's a three-year window. <laughs> of that. Yeah. And we're talking about, when you say the solar, you're talking about the parking lots. Yeah. They put the parking lots that's all the solar. You know, underneath, yeah. Like how they have the railroad stations yeah. and the right. courthouses. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then the other big thing is we keep accepting additional state aid um, and then still also want to increase the taxes, but they're beyond, they're beyond, they're below the tax levy, so they're like, it's okay. But we keep getting more money in, which is our tax dollars anyway, we all yeah, know that. It came from us in the first place. It came place. from us in the first place, but when they take that state aid, the government, this, the, the state now holds us hostage. We saw that with the mass mandates. Yep. Every time a school district tried to go against the mass mandates, we'll pull your state aid. Yep. Now they're doing it with mascots. We'll pull your we'll pull your state and, aid. And all the pipelines on the the all the bills in the pipeline in Albany are yeah. ins- like you you never know what's going to get passed about. You, you know, you, I'm not going to let you breeze right through it because <laughs> you said something and I don't know anything about the mascots. That. Why? What's wrong with the mascot? Every, what is it that every school saying? district that has an Indian mascot? So. Um, Massapequa, a town neighboring us, are the Massapequa chiefs. They need to replace their their mascot if they want to continue to receive state funding. You know, I never, you know, I never thought that that would ever be an issue because I would look at it, right, the chiefs. Yep. And if I'm an American Indian, that's something that I would be proud of. Of a warrior. A warrior. And, a warrior. and not only that, that is something, you know, my heritage, you know, my background from what I know, who knows what I am, and, you know, I never did the DNA test, and my parents are gone, you know, is Italian-American, right? 
So if they wanted to do an Italian-American mascot yeah. for whatever it is, right. the Gestapo, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> or whatever the, the mafias, or whatever it is, I don't even care. But at least what they're doing is they're recognized. There's nothing wrong with a chief. That, right? That's there's how no, I thought. Yeah. There's nothing. Hey, I grew up in Virginia rooting for the Redskins, and right. now, now my family roots for the Washington the Commanders. commanders. <laughs> and I, and I, exactly. And I can't, I don't understand why, if I was an American Indian, why I would take a, take offense but to a, a, a team. But they're, they're not the ones taking. It's, everything's political correct you can't just enjoy being a diverse community it's all with an agenda so now the state will pull the funds yes so who is that person who is the person upstate that oh lord Hochul. Hochul. yeah she's the one that is yeah. now saying if you don't do a we're gonna pull b it's almost exactly. what the democrats are doing say in yeah, federal. yeah, yeah. exactly it's, it's S- the exact same, same, same thing. playbook i would i call it the fourth branch of government the unelected bureaucrat Bureaucrats. leaders, which is the Department of Ed, the Department of Health, the same ones who muzzled my kids in masks for two years with no constitutional authority to do that. The unelected fourth branch of government are yeah. these bureaucrats. And Kathy Hochul leans on them for that. And I mean, as far as us and our running mate, Parsa, Farmingdale School District is not going to be the Albany, New York School District. It's the Farmingdale School District. You know what I mean? So like, just more and more stuff like this is going to come up. Yeah, they want to remove local control. And that's the biggest thing. Dis- is discipline's the next one? Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. So, what do you mean by yeah. discipline? So, they're so they're, what they're going to say is, if a student, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. If a student, they're going to box, put things in boxes. So, if a student does A, the punishment is this. If they do this, it's the kind pu- of. and you it, don't, and it, the school district doesn't have doesn't any doesn't have a say. So, so ima- the new bill coming out. Uh, yeah. Imagine like bail reform, but for schools. Yeah. Like, you, you can't discipline children because it would be unequitable, basically. Wait like, a second. St- like Wait a second. Yeah. I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm a criminal attorney. <laughs> so the bail reform, I think, is the biggest joke. Of course. For sure. And really what that just does is, is saying, and I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to say is, well, the black community and the minority community are the one most affected by and, and, and poor communities, yep. which, which they're basically saying are minorities. Mm-hmm. Can't afford bail reform, so we're going to get rid of the cash bail, and now everybody just gets out, right? right? So now everybody has an equal thing because it's you can't have these white affluent citizens being able to pay that cash bail, and they're able to get out, right? And when black say criminals, alleged criminals, they can't afford it, and now they're going to stay in jail. You're saying now that the school districts are going to take that model, yes, and now put it into disciplinary. Reactions in, in with children. Well, there's not literal bail, but it's almost like going softer and softer on the perp while not protecting the, the victim. The and victim. There, there is a beautifully written letter from Island Tree School District, yes. which, you know, when there's a strong board with a strong voice, they can come together and write back to or counter uh, tyrannical sort of stuff from Kathy Hochul. And they had this beautifully written letter with an example. They said, hey, some violent student just broke a lacrosse stick over another kid's head and under this plan the perp would be back in the school before the other kid has even healed from his wounds at right. that point that that is sort of like the philosophy and the, the that lawlessness of that, that we're direction protecting that the, the the bully or the perpetrator over the actual victims in the school and we're seeing that you know there's you know we have to sit our kids have to sit next to someone that just broke a lacrosse stick over their head you know what i mean they're we've we've lost all discipline we've 
been reached out by many teachers in the Farmingdale School District that a kid will spit in their face and they're back in the classroom the next and day. There's no ramifications. There's no ramifications. Back if you did it when, when say, we were in school, you'd be suspended you'd be for a week. I, and and yeah. I wouldn't be able to sit for a week. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. So let, let's get into some of the things that if you two were elected, right, what is the first change that you would do, Barbara? What would be the first thing that you are trying to get redone or a position that you're taking that you're saying, we need to do this? For me, it's about parents partnering in education and bringing back our seat at the table. We have dozens and dozens of examples of illicit books that are sitting in our school library, in being read out loud to kids in our classroom, in the curriculum. Give me an example of what are you talking about, illicit. So when you say that, because, listen, you're gonna, you, yeah. You're gonna do you, make to my read, do you want me to read some out loud? I should have brought some examples oh. with me. Oh God, no! <laughs> you wouldn't be able to air it. Well, well, let me ask you this. Well, I can air it here. Okay, well, we can I, air it here. Can I, can I share how I met Barb? Because I met Barb <laughs> in this type of topic. Yeah. Not in the school district, but in the Farmingdale Public Library. I had just gone to the the library with my kids, who were much younger at the time, and a librarian hands my children cartoon porn. Straight up cartoon yeah. porn. So it was free. What is the name of the book? It was Free we, Comic Book Day. It was Free Comic Book Day. I forget the name of the comic. We, I have I have pictures of it still. So it was put in a preschool-looking Spider-Man bag with Spider-Man stickers, and inside the bag was free comics from Comic Day. One was Thor. Some was like basic stuff. The Antifa stuff. Handbook but was one. One of them no. was. It, yes. It, it, it what do you mean, Antifa Handbook? It, 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 it was like it a... It wasn't the handbook, but it was... That's what it was so called. It, it was a... Yeah. 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 It was that called was the Antifa? Antifa Handbook. It, and it was, it was like, an in a, in like, a, like a, you know, a cartoon format. Right. Uh, so, can so you try to see if you can pull that up? Antifa Handbook for children? So the So the comic itself shows a girl skateboarding on the front. And inside the comic, so this is comic, this, is, this isn't photos, it's comics of naked people having sex, of a naked girl with a strap on having sex with another girl. No way. Yes. Yeah, no for way. real. Yes. The Farmingdale Public, it was, all, on, and, it was on News yeah, 12. They, yeah, and, and I, I called back, News 12. But, 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 but <laughs> in, the back, in, in, the back, in the back of this comic, they had ads for other comics. Is that it? No, 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 no that's, that's not, not it. it. it in, in the back of it was an ad for an Antifa comic book in the same series, and it shows oh, a, it, show, it, it shows okay. a rioter bashing a club over a police officer's yeah. head with blood coming out. We'll get you the images. We'll so, get you the so images. I come back to the library and I'm like, "How could you do this?" And I thought I thought they would be mortified. Uh, I thought they'd be mortified and put the comics away. And they held their ground. This librarian held their ground and was like, "You have to check what's in there before you give it to your kids." And then the li- <laughs> and then the library director was like, "This in. isn't the video store where right. that no. the kids now could yeah. go through the the it was a, the, the curtain." Yeah. curtain Section. It, it, it was in a it was in a Spider-Man bag with a Spider-Man crossword puzzle in it. So then I'm like, am I crazy? Like, has the world gone insane? And I was like, I heard Moms for Liberty helps <laughs> with stuff like this, and I found Barb, who's a local chair, the only person who stood up for my family against this library. Now it wasn't the school district; it was the library. But that's when I lost trust in public institutions and bureaucrats who have their own agenda, who don't care. How and does, put stuff like that How in does there. these people... So let's let's just use Miss Jones as an example, mm-hmm. right? Is she someone who advocates for these books and says these books should be allowed? I don't know about the sexual stuff. Her Facebook has a lot of um, but, like a race A lot of stuff. Uh, activism. Of, Here, you know. Here's my question, because it really is disturbing to me, right? Because you're grooming these children in yes. a way that they shouldn't be. This is a parent. Parents should be the ones who introduce sex, yes. in my opinion, yeah. to their children. And at whatever time they feel is right. In different right. lifestyles right. And, and all that stuff. Right. I mean, I feel like with the board that's coming, they are not outward. 
leftist activists or something like that. But to me, the problem is the silence and the kind of absenteeism. I think when there's not a board that puts their foot down and says, these are the principles that we're going to run the, govern the school by, I think then it just kind of like opens up that sort of right. rogue. You know, most teachers are amazing. But when you don't put your foot down in that strong way about our principles and our shared values, you end up with a rogue teacher, rogue social worker, rogue health teacher. It's like, all right, it's open season. Let but, me. But who's, who's allowing, who's making those decisions in the state of New York to allow that particular book? to be at the public library. Oh, that was a local decision by the library director there. Yeah. It was a, it was a national campaign um, with a couple sponsors like Coca-Cola, and it was to put out free comics for free advertising at the library. A lot of them were like just Marvel comics and normal stuff, but there was just weird stuff like that. But is there, but is there a possibility that that local librarian just overlooked it? Not by her response, I would say. I don't think she cared that it was in there. I, I'm I'm not sure whether they overlooked it or not, but they certainly didn't take much responsibility for it. I, I felt like I felt like I did something wrong. Like I mean, I check everything that my kids do, and my oldest daughter was the one that peeked into her Spider-Man bag. And, you know, I don't really expect a <laughs> Spider-Man bag to have cartoon porn and yeah. dildos what a strap and on. I mean, it said, it. "Do me harder, Mr. Kindergarten Teacher." That's it. That was the yeah. quote. No. Was, yes. Yeah. It was we still have the screenshot. Wait a second, wait a second. Why would the kindergarten teacher? No, no, no. She, it was like no, that what was she the was comic calling. Book. That yeah. was what she was saying, though. But I don't, right. But what but I'm it's... saying, but why would a kid have that thought? Why would you want a kid to even have that thought? Why would it be no in a book? And who's writing the book? Exactly. Exactly. Who's writing that book that's saying, for, you know, there's so many layers of this because first, who's the author that actually said that this is normal for a kid to say, Spank me harder, kindergarten teacher. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Then who's the publisher yeah. that said that's a great book? That's gonna <laughs> sell. That's gonna sell. We want that. I, we, we're gonna sign you up. Here's wild. your bonus, and and you know what? Yeah. We're gonna give you a three book deal. Give us more. Let's give us more of this. And, yeah. we, and with our sponsor Coca Cola, we're gonna give it out for free across all of, to libraries across right. America. I don't. So oh, so so you know, let's get into that then. So you're saying, based on what your knowledge is, is that Coca Cola is saying, yeah, we're, we approve this. Well, they were one of the sponsors. sponsors I, I, I mean, know, I don't know if they reviewed this they stuff ahead of time. But yeah, but why not then send that to Coca-Cola? Why not make that something that's, hey, Coca-Cola, do you really stand by this? Because yeah. you're the one who's sponsoring this. Right. Right? I mean, now, the people that you're going up against, the three individuals that you're going up against, what's their stance on something like this? Is this something that they talk about? Oh, this well, this is the is frustrating a, part. Yeah, so it's so wishy-washy. Uh, they don't discuss anything. They won't tell you. So I'll give you a little background. Um, when I started getting involved in the school board meetings, one of the first meetings I went to was at Massapequa. I got invited by the board president. And all the parents were in upper about the mask. And the board just goes, wait, guys. Our kids are in mass. We don't want that. We're here to work with you. And then all of a sudden, the entire room dynamic changed. And parents were standing up and going, we should write petitions. We should do this. We should do that. And it was a collaboration. The very next meeting I went to at Farmingdale, I recruited hundreds of parents to come. Because I'm like, this is what boards do. They could, they're going to stand up for our kids. They wouldn't even hold the meeting. They got up and walked out on us. Why do you think that? You because think somebody got a hold of them? I think either someone got a hold of them or they are not prepared to take a strong stance. So we would go every meeting after meeting and they would only write a letter once it was safe. Like when it was, they knew nothing was going to come out of it and they weren't going to have to take a hard stand. Or if they wrote the letter and then Hochul reversed her decision, they threw their hands up and said, oh, we have to do what the state tells us to do. And that's where 
I feel very strongly that these any discussion that should be and could be outside of executive session needs to be in front of the public. Let us know where you stand on each issue so we as voters know why we're voting for you. Right now, I went back years. Every single vote is unanimous for years on this board, So you and they don't discuss anything in public. So you do not know who stands where, who argued for so what So you're point. saying you have the seven board members yep. and you have no idea which one. It's not like, say, the Supreme Court justice when they're writing dissents mm -hmm. right. and these three are with the dissent and these or whatever you know, nice and with the know. majority. Yeah. You have no idea. So it's just, right. yeah, it's yay or nay. And you have to assume then maybe all seven of them said nay uh, or all seven of them said yes. Exactly. Right? You have no idea. All I know is the registered political party. And that, that's all I can get just from investigation. But how they actually perform in these private meetings, right. no idea. How political, and, I, and I'm talking about party political, is school boards throughout Long Island? It used to be not an issue. Like, you pa partisan, you mean? Like Republican, yes. Democrats? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, how, how big is it? Is it because... It, it used to be we didn't care as long as you were representing the children and the community yeah. and the taxpayers. Now there is activism being installed. So there's an organization, and this was, I wasn't sure I was going to touch on it when I mentioned something earlier, but it's called Long Island St Strong Schools Association, and they are um, a, a pack. So you know what that is, right? They they campaign and they they handpick candidates like a super PAC, like it's, they do they in real are. yeah and which is destroying the country by the what way. is destroying the country and they actually congratulated last year our two incumbents for winning and then we had this third candidate third board member step down and then someone put in again my speculation but there's something wrong with the fact that they didn't want an election they wanted to handpick someone and we have this organization that is promoting the fact that they're going against any candidates that want um, you know smut out of our schools want to be able to teach without everything having a, a lens of you know oppressor oppressor oppressy things like that and um, they they were promoting our current school board so what about uh you know and you hear this this is a national thing that you hear it is, yeah. and but what a topic that we haven't talked about yet though i'm about to bring up is critical race theory mm -hmm. how is that is that affected in you know on long island and is that also affected in say just isolated farmingdale school district? it's everywhere and um hokel passed was it a week ago? Oh. A law where she's going to have a hate patrol where anyone that's not teaching DEI in the classroom. Spe uh, what, what, what's a diversity, that equity, inclusion. Are you kidding me? Yes. Yes, yeah, straight out of 1984. Straight out of 1984. And this is the whole thing is parents, like you say something like diversity and equity, and yeah. it sounds great. It sounds wonderful. We should all want that. But what they're really doing is oppressor and oppressee they just want us they want to divide us as a community yeah, i mean even just back to where the candidates were running against stand again because they're not so barb parson and i we put ourselves out there to be specific yeah so we get specific about certain about curriculum like phonics we get specific about spending with certain items like we put ourselves out there to take arrows because when you get specific you open yourself up right to criticism but yeah. the folks that we're running against they have they've pivoted their platform around advocacy and inclusion and all students. And I, I think the reason that they've done that, as if us... Right, that, to, we're, that we're not going to represent all students. As, as if yeah. us trying to improve academics for all the kids is not for all students or something like right. that. Now, I believe they've done that because Parsa and I were vocal when we saw 
a lot of sexuality stuff. There's a, a club called the Sexuality Alliance in the middle school. And when I went to my daughter's back-to-school night, there were flyers for the Sexuality Alliance on every classroom. So this was a sixth-grade back-to-school night. Every single classroom was a Sexuality Alliance. When you say Sexuality Alliance, though, you know, is that for or against sexuality being taught in schools? For. 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 In, in different lifestyles and transgender lifestyles and questioning what biology you are and Farmingdale like invited um, a for-profit organization called the LGBTQ Plus Network, and so they got an influx of a ton of funding no, no. and, or maybe not funding, but yeah, no, uh, no. they they put they put flags everywhere and. No, I it's almost as if though you see the LGBTQ flags more than you will see an American well, that's, flag that's, yeah. in the classroom. Yeah. It, and again, you know, it's it's just so frustrating because the three of us. Are not at all like, are, not, are not at all against anyone with that lifestyle yeah, but, but at all. It but it's almost about, like Matt, it's it about what's getting pushed. It's not about that. Though, but why not have l- why not have a Russian flag there? Right. Why not have the, the only flag should be uh, there is the American flag. Period. Yes. Why not? Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. if you're going to have another flag, then why not have say the flag of Ireland? Exactly. You know, and, and, or and, whatever country right. that could be represented, or whatever flag that other people the, really identify with. Then, and, and you know, because basically what you're doing is saying. I'm pushing this agenda. And that's yeah. what it is. It, there's a difference between education and indoctrination. Yeah, or tolerating something tolerating versus promoting it. Promoting it. it. They've hit different. the promoting level. They're promoting now. Yes. They're not, they're not, you know, kind of educating. They're promoting and pushing down everyone's throats. You know what I mean? And, and it's and, just like this is not a widely agreed upon topic. So, you know, when something is widely agreed upon, there's consensus in the community. Okay, but when you see that there's like women's this, march or women's right. march, yeah, of yeah. course, you know this of is course. this is you know uh, you know the month of for women. Yes, everybody can get yeah. them behind that, right? right. Of course. Well, well yeah. can they? I don't know anymore. <laughs> no, not for women. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I know. But when, when there's something like as a leader, you should see that when there isn't great consensus on something, when there's families who have some strong beliefs at home, other families who have different strong beliefs at home. Like at some point, you gotta give the power back to the parent. Right. And one of the reasons I believe in getting more rigorous academics is because when you're actually focusing on academics in a really strong way all day, there's not even room in the day to push in political bias. And that could be Marxist political bias or right-wing political right. bias. Like, what the heck? If, if you're, like, killing it in geometry and STEM and literacy, there's not time to introduce critical so, race theory, so, which we found examples of. So, right. so let me ask you this, Matt. Why are you a proponent? What's the, you know, you know if you're talking to a voter and someone... You know, you're talking directly to them right now. Why are you a proponent of meritocracy and not of DEI, the diversity, equity, inclusion? Why mm. are you in favor of meritocracy? Oh, my gosh. I mean, meritocracy, for one thing, is the greatest principle that makes American ex- America exceptional. And you are helping a child with meritocracy. You're hurting a child with something like equity or DEI because you lower the bar with something like that. With meritocracy, there's competition. There's reward. You know, you... It's capitalism, the, sounds yeah. like, and nobody wants... That, they don't want that capitalism. They well, want socialism. There is, but it's like when you have that meritocracy and there's a, there's a fire that you light in a kid that goes yeah. along with that. You know what I mean? Like when you raise a kid in American principles, they are, they've got this sense of adventure and passion and curiosity and drive and they've got a hope for like the future is whatever I make it and whatever I make it with my family when you're raising a kid in Marxism like going that way DEI you're raising a kid to be an entitled victim 
you're raising a kid who has no hope for the future other than anxiety and you're raising a kid who has no pride in their past and instead of feeling like the shared common identity with their friends that bonds them together you're building this obsession in this in this obsession in them about race and gender and all the ways that they're different not all the ways that they're, that they're the same. same well barbara let me ask you why do you think that they're pushing the dei why why is that if if that because anybody that listens to matt what he just said there it right makes America, perfect sense, makes perfect right? sense yeah. right because if you really want to take it why not make the nba dei right why not make the national well, yeah, football league why? dei these guys are too good right. and people that are not as good that you know say just let's just take the field goal kicker he's the worst field goal kicker in the league if he misses he gets two points yep and the guy that is really great he doesn't get the two well, they're, points. They're actually doing that now with uh, our mortgage rates. The better your the credit. Oh man! So this yeah. is a perf- That's a perfect that per- example yes. of they want to teach dependence on the government. Yep. They don't want our children to excel and be excellent. Someone said to me when that comment came out about me wanting or us wanting to destroy public education, <laughs> or we're a threat to public education. One, my husband's a public education teacher, so uh, okay. Um, my kids are in public education. So where that comes from, though, is they know that if we had a choice, we would go a different direction. Yeah. What monopoly have yeah. you ever liked? Like, you just talking to the mic a little. Oh, what, what monopoly has anyone ever liked? Like the last time that you took a flight, did you have one airline? The last right. time you bought groceries, did you yeah, have one once. grocery store? This is the complacency that a monopoly but that's, breeds. That's coming though, the monopoly. That's but why that's, you're going to see all these these stores, right? Especially yeah. these the commercial real estate in New York is just going right down the tube. Especially Who did in they New York destroy City. during the pandemic? The small, small business businesses, owners. right? Yes. So all the big box stores were allowed to open and run. Well, the middle class. Yeah, exactly. This all yes. comes back to a strong civics education. Yeah. So, not only so we're finding examples of civics having DEI stuff in it in yeah. Farmingdale, and I would say. Not extreme like you'll say, oh, my gosh, look at that news story in San Francisco or New York City. I mean, that's the, that's the crazy stuff. <laughs> um, but there is a science enrichment class that was switched to a civics enrichment class in the middle school for sixth grade. And it's not a graded class, and none of the materials are available on the kid's laptop. It's one of the only classes where the materials are only shown in the classroom. And the very first lesson in this class was a YouTube video of a critical race theory poet. Stop. Yeah. The very first one. So it's stu- and it's so fluffy, you know what I mean? So it's like it starts leaning that way. It's propaganda. But it, but, but it also and you don't even realize exact, it. But and it's a game of inches. It's every little thing that they they install into our right. kids. It's grooming. It's grooming. Yes. But, yes. But strong to me it's like a strong civics program isn't right wing or something. A strong civics program is American. Like a strong civics program, a fourth grader should have memorized the preamble to yeah. the U.S. Constitution. A strong civics program, they should learn about what was going through our founding fathers' head when they compared English forms of government, Greek and, and Roman forms of government. Like they got to get deep in these materials, yeah. but it's like kids they can handle that. Like if you well, challenge a kid, so they'll rise so to the occasion. So this is the whole thing is they think kids can handle changing their gender at seven, but they don't They don't think they can handle learning the Constitution. Yeah, or writing an essay. Last year, I volunteered with the 917 Society. Their only mission is to get 
um, constitutions in the hands of children, so little po- uh, eighth graders, because eighth grade civics, right? And I handed out five over five thousand constitutions to school districts. Just stop right there, okay. right? There's nothing. What, what's wrong? No, with that? there's nothing. But Farmingdale turned me down. That's what I'm saying. They I knew you. Were, I knew where you were going to go. My own with it. district turned me down. The and constitution. I, I gave out to yeah. a dozen, more than a dozen districts each, and one of the districts called me back and said, "If you have any extra, I'll I'll put them in our in our school library." Yep. I have a, I have a couple of questions on it as an outsider that I want to ask. Mm-hmm. Some questions about and I want to know you know what's going on within the school districts you just talked on gender mm-hmm. a lot you know a hot topic across the nation yeah is gender identity and transforming gender um, operations you know whatever it may be breast augmentation genitalia you know mutilation of the genitalia what's your stance on that it all comes down to it's they're hiding it is where I really get uncomfortable. Our children are ours. Their age of consent is 18. So anything between then and 18 is my business, and I should be made aware of it. So the fact that we have schools that are saying, well, if the kid doesn't want their parents to know, we don't have to tell them. But why are we trying to pretend that someone that met my kid a week ago and has them for 45 minutes a day knows more about their mental health, what they need, and the personal struggles they're going through than their own parents? Amen to that. So that's my issue. What about you, Matt? What's your opinion of the whole gender identity? You know, if kids want to be able to, without parents' consent, and do whatever it is they want to do to their body, what's your opinion of that? Yeah, I mean, to me, this came out of nowhere. Like, we lived our whole lives. Civilization has lived centuries with without this topic, and now it just comes out of nowhere. So. Well, you have to understand something, and just a quick sidebar. This is a constructed oh, yeah. victim. Yeah. You know, they, they made a victim so that they can now run on and of now course. have a voting block right. exactly. and keep. That's what that is. My, Same my, thing with black minorities. Black minorities... You know, when they uh, how they try to keep, and in my opinion, they try to keep, and I'm talking about Democrats, I'm talking about on a federal level, I'm talking about on a, you know, a country of the United States level, they keep them suppre- oppressed on purpose for needing the government, keep them on subsidized, you know, right. uh, you know, keep them on WIC, keep them on Section 8 housing. Why? Because they're giving the them things, they'll keep their vote, and they keep them there. That's the oldest, and that's the whole thing about meritocracy. They don't want to have. Don't don't give them their thoughts and their opinions and and who they are and their independence. Your independence is is none. You need us, meaning the government. Yeah, everyone should be seeking self reliance for their own personal liberty. Um, the gender thing. I I do have a very strong gender view, and for me to be on the school board, it's important to balance. I wouldn't impose my family's own beliefs on everyone else. What I want to make sure is that every family's beliefs are respected. So in my family's beliefs, I believe that gender is biological. You know, a male doesn't become a female and a female doesn't become a male. And I believe that to drag a child into that before puberty is harmful, to be honest. Um, That is my, my family belief. However, I know that that's not everyone in Farmingdale's belief. So I figure the only way you can really bring these things two together is you're not really pushing either. I don't want to be promoting this. I don't want any social worker or health teacher to pull a kid aside and be doing this without a parent involved. Um, If a parent has decided this at home and that's how they're living their life, I disagree with it personally. But at the same time, my belief in a parent's right trumps 
that, to be yeah. honest. So you respect whatever they're of doing course. in the privacy of their own home. Yes. That's how they want to raise their child. Exactly. That's how they want. So I, you, you mentioned something, and I want to see where you, you know, your thoughts on it. You know, you said before, you know, I don't, when I was younger, I, I this is like a novel thing, transgender. I right. never, we never dealt with that. It's something that just came out of nowhere. Yeah. How do you think that happened? What is the cause of all of a sudden, in 2023, you see a spike in our gen- our children's generation, was it Generation Z, right? Yeah, it's know. Z. We're on Z. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, all of a sudden, it's up to almost 23% as opposed to when, Out of say, nowhere. Out of nowhere. But what yeah. is the cause? Here you are. You're someone that is going to be advocating for the children. You're someone that is going to have responsibility over other people's children. Where do you think that that has come from? I, I do feel like it could have come from part of pop culture, but I think politicians grabbed it and ran with it. So as part of pop culture, that sort of movement is spread in TikTok a lot. And, you know, our enemy China uses TikTok to show our kids ridiculously stupid videos all day, while in China they show kids videos of, you know, violin players (laughs) and chemistry. So it's kind of like attacking our pop culture. I feel like politicians grabbed onto it the same way you said about In every generation of Marxism, there has to be an oppressor and an oppressed. In a free country like America, there is less and less examples of oppression because we have meritocracy, because Mm -hmm. we have equality. We had meritocracy. I mean, for for anywhere that it's left. So you have to really stretch for anything like that anymore to find it. And it was a great thing to grab onto and um, hide behind really good, feel-good words about inclusion, diversity, inclusiveness, and just hide behind words that we all agree in, uh, but with some sort of like political agenda behind it. Right. So, you know, a lot of people, when they look, they're going to be watching this and this, they want to know a lot about the candidates that they're going to be voting for. And there's sure. a larger issues, too, right? Um, and, and unfortunately, if someone says, oh, that person say voting for Joe Biden, well, that means we probably don't have a lot in common if they're doing that, right? So there's a lot of topics that get into that, right? There's yeah. roots that make someone say, I vote for you know this candidate and I vote for that candidate. I mean, getting to know those candidates is what's their views on a lot of various topics. Yep. One of the topics, Barbara, that I want to ask you about is, what is your opinion right now, and I think on a national level, this is the biggest topic. What is your opinion of, say, the border? What's going on at the border? Right now you have um, the... Sure. The, sh- the the ending of the COVID emergency, and now there's a rush to the border, right? What is your opinion on, on that? My biggest concern with the open borders is how many children are being sex trafficked through the border. I think we, as, a, as adults, we need to do a better job of protecting young children. And what they're doing by the kind of the, oh, if you're with a child, you get to come into the country. They're actually opening these children up to horrific horrific situations. I mean, there was an there was an incident just two weeks ago where, where they find like 50 different DNAs in, a, in an eight-year-old's... I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. What about you, Matt? What's your opinion about the border? I mean, coming from the military, I, I believe, um, just like President Trump had always said, and I, I like lots of... I'm not like just the Trump guy or something, but I like how President Trump had always said, if you don't have a border, you don't have a country. Yeah. And, and I do believe in that a lot. There's The Marxist movement is open the border because it doesn't matter anyway because everyone should be on an entitlement system. That's the thing. I don't feel like that actually helps anybody when no. you have that sort of chaos, lawlessness. You have the sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. They come here, and, and then what? You know, what opportunity do they have when they're off the grid? There's better ways to help people, and it's just another example of 
big government not doing the hard work and just arguing about everything right. instead of running the Department of um, uh, USCIS, the Immigration Services, or actually running Border Patrol and just open season like that. It It's frustrating. It's embarrassing to the rest of the world. I think it's another black eye that shows our country is weaker and weaker and weaker. And there's, there's a peace that comes through strength. And it, it's just really frustrating, again, for that lack of uh, meritocracy, because I've had so many folks uh, who were on work visas from India, amazing engineers, ama- amazing leaders, and just hustled like crazy to stay in this country and to extend their visa and to try to go for green card. And I had a friend that we celebrated when he got his green card. And to me, it's like, well, there goes meritocracy right. again, just r- right out the window of law and order, basic fairness. It's just like, what is that? And then mm-hmm. I have that same sort of fairness principle, that meritocracy principle that I apply to everything because that's just how it was raised just what, fairness what, what is your opinion on ukraine what the country what we're involved in you know the united states stance on it what we're doing right now with it what is your stance on that i, I feel like we're over involved and you know i got swept up in being all about pro getting into iraq when i was a young 9-11 happened when i was in middle school and i just got swept up in the war on terror it like in general and I was all about Iraq and President Bush and everything like that. So I do feel kind of hypocritical now, like with my wisdom, having seen Afghanistan fall apart after everything that me, my friends, everybody sacrificed there. I feel like you have to, you don't get into a fight that you're not ready to win, to be honest. Again, it just feels like we're hurting more people by dragging this thing out. Um, If we're not gonna be decisively involved, I think that's what the world is tired of our country for, is being half involved with mm-hmm. one foot in, one foot out. And it's taken our eye off the ball of things like our biggest competitor, which is China, and a real threat like that. Not to mention everything domestically. War throughout history, I feel like, is a great excuse to look external instead of internal. So when our own federal government has destroyed the U.S. dollar, has destroyed our budget, can't balance the books, can't keep law and order, American education is in the dumps, let's blame Russia, let's blame China, let's look outside. Because Abraham Lincoln is the one that said, if we ever fall apart, it's going to be with ourselves. It's not going to be from some outside enemy. What's your thoughts about Ukraine? I'm, I'm, I'm in line with him. I think we we went too far in the sense that now we're writing blank checks, just You know, and these are our tax dollars. We have American citizens out of work. We have American citizens that need help and support. And I'm not saying we don't help in other countries, but now it's it seems that we're just just giving giving away American tax dollars and then telling us we're not doing enough. Yeah, no, I understand that. So let's get back to now. You know, we were talking about national things. I want to go back into the you know the isolated Farmingdale issues, the school board issues before we we end this here. Um, the the primary or the vote is for May 16th, right? Correct. Okay. Tell us about you. Why, if, if, if you're, say I'm a voter, I've never met you for the first time. Why, and I have three children in the Farmingdale School District, and I'm frustrated on what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, one way or another. But I want to, you know, but I'm on the fence on candidates. Why vote for you? So I've been in Farmingdale for 16 years. I've always been, I always thought I was an involved mom. I was on the PTA. I, you know, did the yearbook committee. And it wasn't until the pandemic where I started to really see some of the the behind the scenes challenges with our education. I'm, I'm a firm believer that local communities should have local control. 
And the more we give that up, the less we have the ability to direct the futures of our children. So a vote for me is really about protecting our children's innocence, helping excel in education and academics, and maintain local control. It's time that we as communities come together instead of infighting with each other and really do what's best for the children. What about you, Matt? You know, if first of all, let me ask it in a different way. Day one, you're elected on the board, right? And other board members come to you and say, hey, Matt, we're so glad that you're here. We need a little direction. We don't know what to do day one here now that we have these new board members, right? And we want to start really being proactive in certain things, but we, we need some guidance. And Matt, based on your, you know, your history and your resume and what you've done and the leadership that you've displayed, what should we do day one differently? I've learned in transformation, transformation of any organization and any culture, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And you can't be all over the place. You have to have one finish line that you're seeking, which to me would be fiscal responsibility and academic excellence. And you figure out how to get there in between. So three things right right off the bat. I'd say we need to hold the line on the tax levy. And we need to give direction to our superintendent to help him about things that are okay to optimize or reduce or things that cannot be touched. We cannot let it be a free-for-all where he has to guess these things. Like, we are the board. We have to give him this direction. So hold the line on the tax levy before we tax people out of Long Island. And the second would be to start looking immediately for a new phonics reading program because I know we didn't get it in today, but I have found in a lot of ways... Well, get into it. Talk to about it. What what, what is it? So reading should not be political. It should not be political. But it has been since, again, ever since um, President Bush at the federal level started endorsing phonics-based curriculum when he... Can you explain what that is, phonics-based? Okay, so there's these two, there's these two rules of, of thought on reading. And somehow they became Republican and Democrat, and they should not. It should just be two different ways to read. One is called whole language reading, and it's some hippie way of reading that came out of the 70s and came out of Columbia University. And that way of reading, me is uh, the belief is that you learn to read the same way you learn to talk. And if you just stare at a flipping book long enough, all of a sudden it'll just click. And it has uh, techniques like when you don't know a word, look at the picture. When you don't know a word, guess it based on the first letter, which really sets up a kid to fail because as they move ahead, they don't actually know how to sound out phonetically that word itself. And And I saw this with my two youngest kids. Now, the other school of thought is phonics, where you are learning the different sounds and combination of sounds that make up a word, and you're not leaning on pictures or guesses. Tap it out, you know, like Uh, how we uh, learn. A boot. Yes, exactly. (laughs) A a lot of repetition. And this sort of like hippie way of teaching was like, that's too old school. That's too, uh, that's too like, you know, stiff. Um, We can't have kids reciting things and chanting phonics in class. No, we need to put them up in a cozy corner where they take a book and build a love of reading. And um, and one of my teacher friends had shared this method with me because her her kids were struggling with reading too. And I was like, this is crazy. I was like, I wonder if Farmingdale does this. And and in this, this is an NPR documentary. You know, it's it's NPR. This is not like a right wing. This yeah. Is NPR. And no, NPR is actually NPR. very liberal. Yeah. The very. opposite. Yeah. Exactly. Left wing. Yeah. And, and it was one of their yes. hosted documentaries. And I get to the end of it, <laughs> and the big publisher that has made hundreds of millions off this stuff is called Heinemann Publishing, and the the school. Columbia University is the one that's pushing out this sort of way of teaching. So I'm like, let me see, because I did a freedom of information request on all our third-party vendors for Farmingdale. 
And there I see Heinemann Publishing, 120 grand a year, Columbia University Teachers College, 36 grand a year. I'm like, that's why my kid can't read. Yeah. That's why that's We're why we that's why we pay these... a tutor to come after and school. And then what's what's even more infuriating is that like my daughter gets pulled out for reading. And they use a phonics-based reading program for the pullout, for the pullout right? But not in the classroom. That, that's, Why? That's what exactly. I learned. That, that's what I learned from. <laughs> that's what I learned from my friends at NPR from yeah. this documentary that some some schools can't even avoid it anymore, but they still cling on to this old progressive Columbia University method instead of just gutting it, and they and they keep it in instead of just like fully transitioning to that. So. That was two, right? You you have a third, you said? Yeah, and the third one is I want to do a, a, a deep dive on what's happening in our special ed department. This was not originally one of my priorities, but just because I didn't realize what the need was. But once we opened up to the community where they could access yeah. us personally, the top complaint we get is about the quality of special education. Yeah. And it's what we spend the most on. So when I start talking to them about how much we spend on it, they're like, why? Where, where I, is I don't, it going I don't feel like it? I saw that time. Yeah. So I want to do... I want to help work with maybe like a board can set up a committee, like set, set like up a, a steering separate, committee. So, yeah, right? something yeah. like that about, uh, okay, give us a run through of what's happening in special education in Farmingdale. Let's compare that to the parents' experience. And I would love to do a request for proposal to introduce competition, meritocracy, for contracted special ed services. Because if we're not getting it from all full-time staff or from NASA BOCES, right. We should, to, to me, I mean, I want to run this by the community, but to me, when you introduce competition to something, you, you start you, you start spending less, but mm -hmm. getting getting better. Yeah. So, yeah, so those are my three. And one other question I have, Barbara, I don't know if it, how this is and, and what role it plays is, but you see it on a, and a broader level that the less or the lack of religious beliefs, yeah. you know, it seems almost as if, you know, the powers that be less you rely on faith in God and more on government, the better off you will be. Yeah, Is that now going into the school systems? Less yeah. God, less maybe say Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, you know? I mean, where this really is a spiritual war, and and I'm not one that's over like it's my personal, but what we're seeing is anyone that holds you know uh, the nuclear family close to their heart their their rights as parents close to their heart they want to get they want to go against and it is it's the the further away we get from god government becomes the ideology that we follow and that's a problem yes absolutely eric can you pull up that picture real quick here because i want you're running on a base you know and, and i asked you this almost as a block kind yeah. of so to speak can you tell us a little bit there's that that's parso who you were talking about right Correct. so if you can just give us a little brief background one who whoever wants to take the lead um, well, his, doctor of physical therapy, owner of two successful PT practices, special unit police officer. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a rock star. So his three kids are all the same age and grades as my three kids. So we started being around each other all the time. Um, but he inspired me when we were all in the mask mandates. Yeah. All I was doing was complaining to my wife about the mask mandates and the school and the government. But then I saw Barbara and a, a, another neighbor, Eric, and I saw Parsa standing up at board meetings pushing back against this stuff and i was like these guys are actually <laughs> doing something what what am i doing I, i'm doing nothing but complaining and ever since i've met him and since he ran last year and had the courage to run last year 
all I've been is impressed. The guy is yeah. a total family man and works constantly on his business as an entrepreneur. A lifelong dealer. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dallas. No, yeah, it's the it's the dealer. Yeah. 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 I got to tell you. So, so I'm a big now ChatGPT guy. Oh, and it's, yeah. Yeah. I have. You know, I, I'm into it. Whatever. And I was reading when you first sent me the picture. I'm like. Man, I, I, why haven't I? I'm 49 years old, and I don't know what the word dealer means. Three dealers. <laughs> and then I, I saw that you said it, and then I saw in yours, and I saw in Pars. I'm like, it's I didn't a realize it's a mascot. Yeah. I had no idea. It's like the Bulldogs. I'm from right, North Babylon. Yeah. Like, I didn't even think about it. I thought, man, you went this whole life without knowing what a dealer is. And, you, know, and you better get to it. Um, real quick, too, what I wanted to ask you guys is, so you have the election coming up on May 16th. How right now, if people wanted to get in touch with the sitting board members, how easy is it to do? Oh, can the you sitting ju- the board sit- right now the board members? Can someone just instantly, if I wanted to get in touch with one of them and say, "Hey, you know, I wanted X, Y, and Z, but you guys voted A, B, and C, or vice versa, or whatever it may be." You get an automated. If you send an email to the board, you get an automated response that says they'll get back to you in seven to ten business days, and then you get a form yeah. response saying, "Thank you, we've re- received your request," to, and tell you nothing to, after that. To, <laughs> to me, it's more about the quality of the response than the yeah. than the speed, o- only because. We will all be juggling full-time careers when we take on this volunteer unpaid position. So you have that moment when you convene in your private session, in your public session to to go over this stuff. You know, to be honest, like, I have an intense job. I don't know that I can respond to everybody within a day or something, but in the substance of that response has to be better. And the responses that I've got from the board when I was like, why has my kid been in masks for two years? Like, what's the deal, guys? And just get kind of these generic responses back was was frustrating so so how can you change that can you have someone that you you have so you have the seven board members Mm -hmm. can you have someone that is say part of the staff that they're in charge of getting those emails and making sure if it's specific to barbara to matt that those emails will be responded to or those correspondences within, say, two days, as opposed yeah. to seven to ten days, you get this generic response right. and no one knows. Is I that? Think, so, I think that would be yeah, something. But I actually would take it a step further. So every member of the board belongs to a committee. So the curriculum committee, um, various committees. So depending on the subject, then it says, okay, this is something that's going to get directed to Barbara because she's handling the that's curriculum. And then all of a sudden, it's a great idea. Th- right now, there's no ownership. Only that's because what I'm trying to get no at. Ownership. There's, there's so there's more just, like it a, gets sent to seven people, and they go, "Not and me. I'm not answering this person." You yes, know? and there's no transparency, and there's no connect. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, you're not uh, listen, and I, I'm not. And I don't to, know if it's the, the right answer, but I think there just needs to be someone that owns certain aspects of right. responding to the. I'm community. not trying to downplay yeah. you, the position that you guys are going because I think it's it's highly important, and this is the grassroots and where it starts. Yeah. But you're not the president of the United States that right. I can't just walk up, knock on the White House door and say, hey, Joe. That too. I mean, people just know us. Yeah, Yeah, so people should be able, though, to have access to you. Yeah. Right? And... And it seems like that that's not. So, no. Matt, what would you do? That was, that's a great idea by you. The do you e- feel like they should have a personal, not a you know, not a personal email, not like your Gmail or something or your work email, but something you know, Matt at Farmingdale Board of Education dot com, they and do, they could do that directly. They they do have that. So once on the board, they're issued Farmingdale School District email addresses. So they they do have those. Um, there's things we could do with email. I'm a little more about the open public sessions like yeah. I, 
Barb and I have talked a lot about changing the format of those sessions, like where there's a guaranteed time that you will have FaceTime with us and we have to answer you in front of the community with school officials. Is that right now in place? No, that's what so we want. So you want to change that? Yeah. There's a public session, but the format is really jacked up. Yeah. So you want to tell them like how the... <laughs> so our board sits high on a stage and they have the microphone for the parents like kind of in the parking lot area, you know, like as far back as it can go. Like they're a threat. Like yeah. don't get too close to the don't stage. Don't get too close. And it's, okay, well, the first 30 minutes you can talk about this, but if only two people, you have 30 minutes blocked out for it and you get three minutes as, a, a you know, just a community member. And then we're looking for them to give us feedback, and normally they go, thank you for your question. Right. And they don't respond. They don't there's no, There's no there's back no, and forth. And then they started doing back and forth just to really, mostly us, because condescend at a times piece. scream at us. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So, so that would be something that yeah. you would do more. The, the you know, format would be not up on a stage, not the Wizard of Oz looking right. down on a the peasants. A smaller room, because there's usually yeah. only seven of us in the boardroom anyway, and which I would love to change if we made it more open to the community. You know, like right now they they spend, you know, we talked about this the other day. You know, they walk in, they go, okay, um, I make a motion to approve the consent agenda that we talked about in private. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah, but what, what was that? What, what were you talking what we, about? What are we exactly. talking about? What did we approve? Why did you approve it? Why did you vote for that? We don't have that granular visibility. And I understand there's some things that are contractual based that have to be an executive session. But it's time that we bring the public back into. They live stream it. So they give the illusion of, you know, being open. But what they're doing is it, it's all, you know, kind of smoke and mirrors. They don't actually want the public to participate. It, it, any topic that's eligible for public session yeah. should be. It's like. I was in the intelligence community, and there was a lot of information that was overclassified. Right. Which meant, like, because it was also lazy also. And, like, top secret SEI, top secret, <laughs> no foreign, no foreign. And, like, because it's easy to yeah. classify it that way. You don't want to switch computers when you're talking about a different topic. And to me, that overclassification in the intelligence community is kind of like overusing the private session, the, ex the executive yeah. session on a school board. If it's eligible to be out in public, come bring it in public. And then with, with questions from the public... I think just by making it more relatable, we're all yeah. at the same level. It's not, I mean, there could be a microphone if it's hard to hear, but not like put security in between you and yeah. the public. Like that is crazy to me. Yeah, I'm gonna see you it, at Stop and Shop yeah. probably tomorrow morning <laughs> exactly. right. in the meat section exactly. or at Target. Yeah. Like, right. Why all of a sudden now am I yeah. in an unpaid position, mm -hmm. you know, such a superior right. person as, over as you? As a school board member, we're no different than the community and that's we need to bring that back. The only difference is I get to make a vote to represent your voice. Right. Yes, that's and that's why you elected difference. me. And, and exactly, those, and that's not, that's not how it comes across as anymore. Those questions, those needs come in, I think that should drive what the school board agendas are about. Yeah. Uh, the school board agenda right now is driven at the help of the district. I mean, they have, to be fair to them, they have like no public participation. So that, I mean, they got to come with what, what the heck are we going to talk about every month? But it is just like pat yourself on the back sort of fest, which I mean, Farmingdale has great community spirit. Yeah. Like that is one of the amazing, like people do genuinely really care about each other. But that does like if you get to the point where you can't be critical of something or like have dialogue, you're just going to start to fester right. and get complacent at at that point. So, when people have questions and we start to see things are like, hey, this is common. A lot of people are asking about this. We should position that's the subject of the board meeting. Get people to come out and actually a answer them. I mean, I, I know I I'm a pain in the butt to the board, <laughs> so I know I'm not fun to answer. But it is it gets old when you see everybody with the questions like, well, we already do that. That's already handled. That's fine. Like, 
you can't answer everything like right. that. Like that's not the case. Every, everything isn't fine. Like everything is specific. Yeah, right. I mean, if somebody has an individual isolated question, answer it appropriately. And it goes back right. to the lack of ownership and the questions. They always go to the superintendent. Right. Where yeah. Our questions are to the board. Yeah. Yes. What do you think and, about this? And yeah. we have, and, and it's not a criticism of the superintendent. It's a criticism of their lack of leadership. Right. Over what they're, they or, should or be accountability or accountability. Yes. Exactly. So. so I want to get, you know, real quick before we end it here, a couple sure. of things just so people now could get humanize you a little bit. Sure. First of all, you're both representing Farmingdale. What's the best restaurant in Farmingdale? Oh, my gosh. I've really been obsessed with my wife with Whiskey Down Diner. I it's, love uh, Whiskey Down. I do uh, reviews with my daughter. We did a review at Whiskey Down Diner. They have the best breakfast there. Oh, yep. my gosh. It's amazing. Uh, and have you ever toast? had their steak tacos? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think I, that's something that we did yes. have there on there. I'm not sure 100%. I don't remember. We did it over the summer. I, but a, I love that place. I'm a little bit of a tie with 317 Maine because Chef Eric is amazing. Yeah. He's out there greeting every single person. He has his own personal story. like yeah. that, that. He's hustling. He's yeah. out there. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, Vespa's probably one of my Vespa, top Vespa, the ones. Italian restaurant yeah. there. But really, we have an amazing Main Street, right? Like, amazing. You can't, you can't like go two feet without going, ooh, I should try that next. Yep. Yes, you know? so. absolutely. Matt, growing up, what was your favorite cereal? Oh, good one. Probably Lucky Charms pulling out the marshmallows. Okay. <laughs> okay. What about you, Bob? I'm a Fruit Loops girl. Fruit Loops all the way. And what about you? If you're going to have people come over, Right, and you're gonna entertain, and you're gonna have a dish, like you know your favorite dish, because you think everybody's gonna love that. What is what dish is that that you're gonna serve? Uh, it's bar. It would be vinegar-based pulled pork for uh, a southern pulled pork sandwich. Don't invite me. <laughs> Coming over there, I'm not the pulled pork guy, though. No, but okay, so that's yours. What about you, Bob? I'm a terrible cook. So not cooking. You, know, you can order out. I order. I make believe. Oh, so when I order out and we do a buffet, I usually order sushi. Sushi. I do mm. a sushi display. Yeah, yeah. sushi's good too. Yeah. So you can't yeah, oh, so best. Good. Yeah, and what about Matt? For you, what's your favorite movie of all time? Die Hard, hands down. Die Hard. Is that a Christmas movie or not a Christmas? It's a Christmas movie. movie. It's totally a Christmas movie. Totally a Christmas <laughs> yes. movie. What about you? Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting's great. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Matt yeah. Damon. Yeah, it was great. Robin yeah. Williams. I love it. One of it. those that anytime I pass it on the channel, I stop and I watch. And and one more series. What's your favorite series of all time? Could be anything. Oh, TV that. series? TV series. Could be from the 80s. Could be from right now, current. It could be whatever it is. I don't watch a ton of TV. Uh, it, this isn't a well-known show, but my wife and I love Psych, which is like a goofy uh, uh, mystery show. This okay. Guy, this guy solves mysteries and pretends he's a detect or pretends he's a psychic, but he's actually just a great detective. Okay. I got to look because we're, we're searching right now. Psych, my girlfriend psych is good. Psych, psych is, is very good. good. What about you, Barbara? Oh, there's so many. Dexter, I was really into. I bailed on Dexter. I Once he started in, hanging out with yeah, his sister. Then, but well, if it wasn't his sister, it was. That, but it really wasn't. I was going to say, then it, that's why I was hesitating because then it got really, like, they jumped the shark. Yes, you know? they did. So, and that's what happens with a lot of series is one minute you're like se season one, season two, and then all of a sudden it's just yeah you say jump the shark i know that's a fonzie yeah, that's a, but, yeah. but where i learned it from really because it just passed over my head when i was watching happy days was <laughs> howard stern you know i used to listen to howard stern oh now. yeah now i can't listen to him at all can't do it can't do it what about mm. you have you listened to howard stern i've never oh, listened from to, Virginia. i've never listened to howard stern <laughs> you never but, never but he mm. he used to be funny now he's just he's Dry. And dry. And, and when you wouldn't come out of your basement to yeah. you know, come because of COVID, I couldn't yeah, take it I anymore. Yeah, I couldn't take it. Matt, if people wanted to get in touch with you and people wanted to follow you on social media, what are your coordinates? The best place to go is our website first, which is dalersforprogress.com. Dalers, D-A-L-E-R-S, the number four, progress.com. And we set up um, an email to get a hold of the three of us. It's mm -hmm. Matt for schools, Matt 
F-O-R-Schools at gmail.com. And what about, you know, if it, people wanted to follow you, see you on, on Twitter? Are you a Twitter person or no? No. We do, we do. I get a newspaper in the mail. I'm really... Uh, <laughs> oh, you do? Well, 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 let me ask you this then. So what do you read? What's your newspaper? E- Epic Times. I love Epic Times. Good good paper. Yeah. Yep. It's a good paper. I love the, I'm on the digital subscriber. I love it. Absolutely. What about you? So we have the Dailies for Progress on Facebook as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then it, I also have my Moms for Liberty, Nassau, New York, okay. is, is that you can follow me as well. Well, listen, I really appreciate you both coming on here. Thank I you. wish you both the best of luck. Thank you. I appreciate okay. the time. And so when is the it's, – it's on May 16th. Correct. Yep. Right? All day. You can vote all day. All day. Vote and also who's the third person again? Parsa Karimi. Parsa and that would be the block. That would be two four six. Correct. Yeah. Right. They're vote. not. They're not numbered though. They're not numbered. They're not. And we believe that our you know the other side went vote odd. You know like we believe our supporters know who they're voting for. So Karimi Wilson Abood. Yes. All right. Well, listen. Thank you again. And here, thank you for um, <laughs> for your service. You drank all of it. Yeah. Thank you for your service in the military. I really you, appreciate sir. it. I appreciate it. And Barbara, it. thank pleasure. you for coming back again. Absolutely, it was a pleasure. And with that being said. We are out. Thank you. Peace. Thank you.